Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. Such as, 
Who in the world made up this rule? Who gave them the right to make up this rule? Does this rule even apply to me? Here's a classic one. Is there something special about me that might exempt me from this rule? Like, there's all kinds of questions you have to ask, right? Before you'll obey a rule, but, but not for granted. She doesn't ask any questions. 32 years of marriage, she still has stayed the same. I haven't got her to change. She is completely different than me. And now, if you were to put Gwen and I on the spectrum of obedience and how we relate to obedience, she would obviously be on one pole and I would be on the other pole. And depending on how you grew up, we would all be somewhere different on that spectrum of how we approach obedience, how we define obedience. But even though we might be somewhere different on the spectrum, what we all have in common is we all have a very personal relationship with obedience. We define obedience differently based on our upbringing. We also have a different standard of obedience. How far are you willing to go to be obedient? At what point do you jump ship and you say, hey, I was going to be obedient, but this is getting to be just a little bit too much. We all have limitations that we place on it. And how we define and how we approach obedience has a huge impact on our lives. It has an impact on what type of employee we are. It has an impact on what type of citizen we are. It has an impact on the relationships that we have with people. And maybe most importantly, it has an impact on our relationship with God. Today we're continuing our series of unexpected Christmas, and she focuses on all the ways that the very first Christmas was so very unexpected. We talked last week about how God could have dropped Jesus into any time in history. Because God sees the beginning of the parade and the end of the parade simultaneously, and he is the beginning and the end, he could have picked a whole different time to drop Jesus into, a time where Maybe uh, the, the uh, childhood mortality rates were so high. A time where the communication systems were better. A time when things were a little bit more stable. But he chose unexpectedly to drop Jesus into that time. He could have dropped Jesus anywhere. But he dropped Jesus into a place where there was political instability. And he had a psychotic king in place who was willing to kill children in order to protect his throne. He brought Jesus into the world in a very unexpected way. He had birds in him. He brought Jesus into the world using very unexpected people. And so what we said is that throughout this series, what we're going to look at is that Christmas is a reminder for your life and for my life that we need to allow Jesus the freedom to do unexpected things in our lives. That as much as all of us like routine, and as much as all of us like to know what's happening next, we have to be careful not to put limitations on God and having the freedom and the ability to do things that we never expected to happen. So today we're going to be continuing this series with a message entitled, An Unexpected Invitation to Obedience. And we're going to be taking a look at Joseph. And Joseph, like us, had his own very personal relationship with obedience. He was a righteous Jew. On that spectrum of obedience, he would very much lean Gwen's way. Gwen and Joseph would have a very stiff competition on who would obey the rules. That was Joseph. He had a very personal relationship with obedience when suddenly the angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and he asks 
him to read a story. What obedience means. Joseph, you thought you knew what obedience was. Now I'm going to ask you to do something you never would have expected. Joseph, you thought you knew what it would cost you to be obedient. But I'm going to ask you to pay a price that you never thought you would have to pay. Here's the story of the angel's conversation with Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. Joseph was no stranger to obedience, but now God was asking him to do something quite unexpected. Last week we talked about Here, God was asking Joseph to do something that broke all tradition. God was asking him to marry a woman who, in the eyes of everyone else in his community, everyone else he knew, in their eyes and in their minds, they believed Mary to have been unfaithful to Joseph. They believed that Mary had gotten pregnant out of wedlock. And what God was asking Joseph to do is, will you share in her shame? Will you walk with her? And will you be looked at in the same way that she's going to be looked at? Will you be thought of in the same way that she's going to be thought of? Will you put your reputation on the line for her? And for the first time in Joseph's life, he had a real struggle with obedience because he was, what was being asked of him was so unexpected. And quite frankly, so unfair. It wasn't him who got pregnant. It wasn't him who had any hand in this. I think it's accurate to say that every one of us in this room, and for those of you who are online, we possess what I would call an aspirational obedience, but we struggle to practice an actual obedience. And what I mean by that is if you're in church here this morning, unless somebody tricked you into being here, you probably realize that you were coming into a church. And if you come here on a regular basis, that probably means that, that somewhere in your worldview, somewhere in your moral makeup, you have a value for obedience. I think most of us in this room would say that we would want to be considered obedient to God, right? We value that. That's an aspiration. But yet, when you look at our lives, that doesn't always translate to actual obedience. There are times in our life where our actions don't match up with our aspirations. And I think when that happens, it's because we didn't expect God to ask us what He's asking us. Or we didn't expect obedience to cost us what it was going to cost us. Or we didn't expect obedience was going to mess with this part of our life. We thought we could keep obedience in this little box, and we could keep this box separate. And then when all of a sudden, obedience now starts messing with areas of our life that we thought were reserved and protected from that. Sometimes our actions don't follow our aspirations. And when obedience may affect relationships that we never thought would be affected, sometimes we make a decision to hold on to our relationships or the status in those relationships that we have, rather than obeying. But what we learn 
from Joseph is that we must be willing to obey God even in what he asks us to do is completely unexpected. And he never thought he would ask us to do what he's asking us to do. And he never thought it would cost us what he's asking us to pay. He never thought it would impact the areas of our life that it's going to impact. I think the reason we struggle is whether we are conscious of this or not, and maybe for most of us on more of a an unconscious level, subconscious level, is that we all have unspoken expectations for obedience. We probably don't, don't put it that way. We probably don't talk about it. But the truth of the matter is that each and every one of us has unspoken expectations for obedience. And, and what I mean by that is we have conditions, we have limitations. We have requirements that we expect God to do in order for us to obey. Somewhere in our mind, somewhere in the equation of our relationship with God, we say, God, I will obey if these things happen. I will obey if you keep doing these things. What I want to do today is I want to take a look at some of the most common, unspoken expectations that we have in regards to obedience. Some of the unspoken expectations that Joseph had upon his obedience and, and the, the expectations that he had to overcome in order to obey. So let's take a look at a few of these. And the first condition or limitation or requirement is I'll obey if God meets my expectation. I'll obey you, God, but you've got to hold your end up of the bargain. To understand how unexpected the invitation to obedience was in Joseph's life, you've got to understand two things that we are so distant from. We are so disconnected from because of time and culture. And the first one was just how defiled Mary was. And that sounds terrible, right? Because we, we think of the Virgin Mary and she's so pure and she's so lovely and she's such a part of the story. But in this time and in this culture, Mary was considered to be so defiled. You know that in this day and time, a woman who would have committed adultery could have very easily been put to death. That was how critical, that was how serious of a judgment she was under. That there were people in Mary's life that said she should be put to death for this. That is a heavy weight to bear. The second thing that you have to understand is how important it was to not be defiled. How important it was in, in this day to be clean. See, the way the Jewish faith was set up is that God only uh, could be connected to access in one place, and that was the temple. You couldn't do your daily devotions. And you couldn't go for a walk and talk to God. You had to go to the temple to connect to God. That was part of your spiritual practice. You had to go there. And if you couldn't go there, and if you were defiled, well, that was a problem. Now, that's kind of hard for us to understand. So I want you to imagine with me. Let's try to bring history 2,000 years forward. And, and imagine that uh, I and the steering team got together and we tweaked our statement of faith a little bit. Okay? And I'm standing up here today and I'm saying, hey, uh, we changed our statement of faith. And there's just some changes that we want to let you know about it. And the first change is this, that you need to come to church every Sunday or you will burn in hell. That's the first rule. 
every Sunday. Because if you don't come to church, you're disconnected from God. And if you die disconnected from God, you're going to burn in hell. Now, now for some of you, go, you go, well, I go, go to church most often. So yeah, I'll stick around. That's not that big of a rule. I, I can do that. But now what if I said, you've got to come to church every Sunday, but you can't come to church unless you're 100% clean, unless you're not defiled. And you go, well, wait a second. What does it, it mean to be clean? In the Old Testament, you have the book of Leviticus where God gave the law. But over the years, the Pharisees had added to the law so that there were 613 different laws in place. For someone like me, who doesn't like any laws, 613 laws, like I'm out of here, right? 13 laws is too much for me. 613 laws. And if you broke any one of those laws, if you violated any one of those laws, you wouldn't be allowed in the temple. So imagine if I said that. You've got to come to church every Sunday, and you can't have broken any of the 613 laws, or if you did, you're not allowed in. And then on top of that, it doesn't end there. Because you're not allowed in, not only do you not have access to God, but everybody around you is going to consider you defiled, and it's going to be like you had COVID, <laughs> and you're in quarantine. That's what Joseph was saying. And so it was entirely unexpected. For God to say to Joseph, I want you to assume a posture of being defiled. I want you to take a woman who is defiled and therefore defile yourself and live under that cloud. Now that's not how God thought, but that's how everybody else thought. That they lived under this shame. But it says this, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Until God came and said, Yes, I want you to do something unexpected. How many times in your life and in my life do we say to God, I'll obey you as long as you expect as long as you do what I expect you to do? How many times do we say, God, I'll keep obeying you as long as you keep protecting me? As long as I'm safe and my family is safe, I'll keep obeying you. God, if you keep providing for me, if you keep blessing my family, if you keep the money rolling in and all the bills are paid, and I, I get to do what I want to do, I'll keep obeying you. God, if I'm healthy, keep me healthy and I'll obey you. How about this one? How about God, keep answering my prayers. As long as you keep answering my prayers, I'll obey you. But any of us who have walked with God for any amount of time knows that life doesn't work that way. And God is not a pawn shop that you can walk into and you can barter our obedience with his expectations. So I'm going to share something really personal from my life. It's a really deep struggle that I've been going through for the last month. So a very good friend of mine died a month ago from cancer. He was diagnosed last January. And for the better part of this past year, we prayed and we fasted. And if there was a meeting anywhere in town where somebody was praying for healing, we would go to that meeting. Very believed in healing. And we're watching, expecting, and pleading God for healing. And yet a month ago, 
that they say, I have to leave the funeral. And I was like a test in the dark to your faith. The day after the funeral, I woke up and I knew that what God was asking me to do and what God was asking this church to do was to continue to believe in healing, to continue to preach healing, and to continue to pray for healing. And in that moment, and over the last couple of weeks, I have been feeling through my own unmet expectations. Now, in the Vineyard Church, we have a theology that explains this, the, the now and the not yet kingdom, that the, the kingdom of God has broken through, and we see miracles now, and we see healing now, and we see deliverance now, but it's, it's the not yet, that we're, we're still living in the in-between, and we're not in that place where, where every healing will happen, and, and every tear will wipe away. We're not there yet, but, but we do see it now, so there's a, a theology for that, but that theology doesn't always help with the emotion of it. And I had to come to terms, and I'm still honestly coming to terms with it. We've got to keep obeying. We've got to keep preaching what God's called us to do. Even when our prayer isn't answered. You may be sitting here today, and you may have woken up and you found yourself divorced. And you're like, God, I expected you to hold my marriage together. And you're going to have a choice. Are you going to continue? to obey God even though your life is in a place you never thought it would be. Maybe you've been deeply wounded, traumatized, offended by other people. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to continue to obey God even though I've been so deeply wounded? Maybe you've lost a job or gone through financial difficulty and always thought that God was going to provide for you and now you don't know going to have to decide, will I continue to believe in God, trust in God, will I continue to seek the Lord? And maybe you're going through a health crisis and a diagnosis you never thought. And you're going to have to say, God, I'm going to still obey you. It's said that Joseph woke up and he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. God has commanded me commanded me to believe in healing. He has commanded me to pray for his sister. And like Joseph, I gotta get up. And I gotta keep doing that. Joseph obeyed God even though God didn't do what he expected him to do. So the question that I have for you is are you willing to obey God even when you when he doesn't do what you expect him to do? Is your obedience conditional to God doing what you expect Him to do? Or is your obedience unconditional? Whatever it is you ask from God, God will do it. The second expectation or limitation or requirement that we put on obedience is we obey, uh, I'll obey if others meet my expectation. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where something is being asked or expected of you that isn't being asked or expected of anyone else. You ever be in that situation? For, for me, for me, that's one of the easiest outs to obedience. When I'm like, 
Heck, nobody else is obeying this rule. Let's go out of here. Like, I'm not going to be the only one holding the bag. Have you ever been in that position where, where God asks you to do something that He's not asking anyone else to do? Or, or there's a rule in place and nobody else is obeying it? And you're like, forget this. There's something inherently unfair in our human mind about being the only one expected to obey. But that's exactly what God asked of Joseph. I love kind of this little part of this verse. Not funny. It says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. And I want you to focus on that, that, that first part. Joseph, son of David. I don't know if any of your mothers, when your mothers were mad at you, you know how they said your full name, Dennis Conrad Roy. It's like your mothers wanted to make sure you knew it was you that, you knew that, it was you that she was talking about, right? It's like, don't think I'm talking to anybody else. I'm talking to you. So when God said, Joseph, son of David, what he was saying is, Joseph, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to your brother. I'm not talking to your cousin. I'm not talking to any other Joseph. I'm talking to you, Joseph. There was no ambiguity in who God was talking to. He was talking to Joseph. This was a very, very personal invitation to obedience that wasn't being asked of anyone else. And I kind of wonder, it doesn't say this, but I wonder if Joseph might have been tempted to maybe like barter with God. Like, God, I've got this cousin Mordecai. He has a limp and he's not that good looking. He's probably not going to get a wife. Can't we like give him to Mary? You know, it's a win-win situation for them. I can find someone else. Like, you can wonder, right? I probably would have done that. Remember when God asked Moses to go to Egypt? That's exactly what Moses did. Moses said, pardon your servant. Lord, please send someone else. You gotta imagine, did Joseph think in his mind, God, can you ask somebody else to be here? Like, does it have to be me? But Joseph was just one in a long line of people who God asked him to obey him in a way that no one else was being asked. Think about this. God did not ask anyone else to build an ark. He asked no one. One guy everyone else laughed at him. God did not ask everyone to leave the land of their forefathers and to go to an unknown land on some wing in a prayer of a promise that I'm going to make your descendants so great that all the world will be blessed by them. He only asked Abraham to do that. And God did not ask Moses, or did God not ask anyone else to go back to Egypt, a place where there was a warrant out for his arrest for murder to be able to deliver the people of Israel. He just asked Moses to do that. God did not ask everyone to go to Nineveh to preach the gospel. He asked Jonah to do it. And if you know that story, you know how certain and particular God was that Jonah was the guy who was going to do it. God didn't ask everyone to wed God did not ask everyone to die on a cross for the redemption of mankind. He asked Jesus to do that. And if you're like me, there have been times where I have not obeyed because I was the only one being asked to do something or I was the only one responding. And I think it's fantastic that we are part of positive environments like church 
everybody around us is aware. I think it's positive to, to be around people and we can kind of drift off of their obedience and, and, and we're with a, a group of people who are walking in obedience and, and we kind of uh, spur one another on to faith and good works. I, I think it's positive and that should be a part of all of our lives to, to build around ourselves a network of people who are moving in the same direction. I think that's fantastic. But the reality is is that our obedience is never truly tested and the depth and the veracity of our obedience is never truly known until God says, Smokey, I just want you to do this. Well, I just want you to do this. Sharon, nobody else is even going to know that I've asked you to do this. Nobody else is even going to see it. This is just between me and you. I'm not asking you to pay a price that nobody else is going to have to pay. And maybe nobody else will even know that you pay, but it's going to be those moments that our obedience is truly tested. And here's the second question of the day. What is God asking you to do right now? What area of obedience is He calling you to follow in a very personal way? In a minute, we're going to have the worship team forward and lead into our ministry and response time. And as we do, and between now and then, I encourage you to make, maybe pause. Because I've got a history of asking individuals to do things. Probably a good chance you're asking me to do something. Take some time and ask that question. Here's the final expectation or limitation or requirement that we put on obedience. I'll obey if the logic meets my expectations. I'm a big picture guy. I'm a strategy guy. I love standing back and seeing how everything works and figuring out the next move and and I can look and see where God's moving. And, and as long as I as long as I understand what's going on and I can figure out what's going on, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm good with that. I, I, I understand. I want to be included in the plan. If, if I know what's going on and I understand the plan and I'm included in it and it all makes sense to me, I'm, I'm down for it. Let's do it. I, I love being part of something where, where I'm on the ground level and, yeah, I'm, I'm completely up to speed on what's going on here. There are a lot of times where what God asks us to do is not just the unexpected, but is also the unexplained. He asks us to do something, and what? God, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, just a couple questions here. And God says, No, God, I'm not taking questions today. And I'm like, Oh, God, that's, that's a problem for you. <laughs> and I can sense I need you to do something. And I'm like, Yeah. God, it'd be easier if you just answered my question. And God says, not today, God. I just need you to obey. There are times when God asks us to do the irrational, the unexpected, the illogical, and the unexplained things. And when those things, well, when those times happen, they really test our obedience. Says the angel said to Joseph, "You will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Again, understanding the context and the time really helps us to understand just how illogical this was. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jews had expected the Messiah to come, 
passed on from generation to generation the story of the Messiah, the picture, the image that the people had in their mind of who the Messiah was, was either some political or some military figure who would come, who would deliver them from captivity, who would restore the nation of Israel and restore a theocratic state, a, a God-governed state, and they would have their own land, their own government, and they would be established. And so for all of these years, they were expecting some type of force to come who would upend and up-earth the existing powers that controlled over them and would establish for them this earthly kingdom. And so when God said to Joseph, this child within Mary's womb is going to be the Messiah, Joseph was like, Under this cloud of shame, how could the Messiah come? In, in, the, in the lower level of the social economic status that we are, how are you going to raise up and take away the sins of the world? How is this child going to do that? It made no sense. And had Joseph spoken to any of his friends and said, Hey, I worked out something off of you. I had a dream. God spoke to me, and uh, I think I might be the stepfather of the Messiah. Like anybody would have said, Joseph, yeah, you're off on this one. Go back for another dream. Right? Everybody would have given Joseph a pass. I said, there's no way that can be true. But it was absolutely true. And it defied all logic. It defied all famous verses in the Bible, Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As much as you and I would like obedience to meet the expectation of logic, and as much as you and I would enjoy it, when God asked us to do things, that we recognize that we were able to see all the reasons why that we were able to about this like that we were able to see the outcome. Because God show me how this is all going to work out. As much as we would like to be able to sit down and have a presser with God where we asked him all of these questions and we got all of our answers and he showed us all of the instructions and he showed us a plan. That would be so much so that it would make obedience so much easier. But there will always be an element of obedience that is beyond our understanding. There will always be an element of obedience that will remain unexplained. I said last week that God will break our traditions to capture our hearts. When God is asking in those moments where He doesn't give us the answers that we want, He's after our hearts. He wants to know that we will follow Him even when our minds can't make sense the last of the two questions that I want to ask you today. Are you willing to obey God even if you can't figure out what in the world that He's doing? Are you willing to do that? You put a limit on your obedience. God, I will do what I understand. I will do what makes sense. But not otherwise. I'm going to call the word
Jesus was fulfilling. Two years ago, we did this series here on this theme called The Gift of Rift, Discovering the Radical Yes of Christmas. And this morning, I'm challenging you to say a radical yes all over again. To whatever it is that God's calling you to do in your life, there is a relational yes that God is asking you to take, a financial yes. Maybe there's a spiritual step of faith that He's asking you to take as a radical yes. Maybe like me, there was an expectation that you placed on obedience and that expectation did come to pass. And God is saying, I want you to say yes. You know, I didn't do what you expected me to do. You know, I didn't answer your question. I want to challenge you to make that radical yes. Fantastic, Helen. Emily, leading worship, she talked about the vision that God gave her of God laying out a path and we need to take a pivot. And she even used the word invitation that God is inviting us to follow the path and pivot. And that's the name of today's sermon, an invitation to obedience. So as we move into this time of reflection, I want to challenge you to make that commitment. Say, yes, God, I'll obey. Whatever you ask me to do, whatever that causes me, whatever that means, whether I get my questions answered or not, you're asking me to pivot by faith. So let's stand together. I'm going to bring the lights down in the room, and I'm going to pray. If we can have our prayer team come forward. I'm going to open up the prayer ministry team here this morning, and as we sing this last song, I want to encourage you to come forward. If there is an area in your life that you know specifically, God has been calling me to do this one thing, and I've been dragging my feet, I've been hesitating, I've been making up excuses, I've been following the Dennis Roy method of obedience, and God is calling me to do something different. And I want to encourage you to come forward and pray, have these people pray for you, because there are times where we just need that extra push from behind. If you're here today with any other need in your life, you just need breakthrough, you need blessing, you need uh, to sense the nearness of God. I would encourage you, don't leave here today without getting a little bit of the best thing in this world, and that is the favor and the blessing of God. God, I thank you for this word. I thank you, God, that you are with us, that you want to encounter us this morning, and you want to transform our lives. As we close with this last song, I pray, God, that you would just create our time of response to all this, and that there would be like a crescendo of